Thank you so much, Seth. Thank you. Amen. It is good to see you tonight. Monday night. I look out and I see you and I just say, wow, thank the Lord. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here tonight. And because you're here on a Monday night, you can all go to Dairy Queen afterwards and get a free ice cream cone today. I don't know if Sterling Dairy Queen's participating in that, but it's a national deal. It's the first full day of spring, and I now will release you at the end of this service to go enjoy an ice cream cone on them. And if it's not free at Dairy Queen, tell them Pastor Dennis will pay, okay? And he'll do that. It's just been so good to just meet a lot of you and get acquainted and hear your stories. And I just love that. To be really honest with you, my favorite thing in times like this is just to get to meet people. And I come and speak, but the real thing I love is just to hear your stories and visit with you and get a chance to love on you and you love back. And so thank you for allowing me that privilege. I just love it. And I, I wish there's time that we all could sit around one big table together and, and just talk about the goodness of God and everything he's done that's so great. Now, the times we're living in are really tricky times. It is un charted territory. We've never been this way before. And so because of that, we've got to learn how to handle it. It reminds me of a story that I heard. Let me just read this one to you. This was an elderly man. None of us would be in that category, but this was an elderly man in Phoenix who was in uncharted territory. And he called his son in New York. He lives in Phoenix, calls his son in New York and says, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you, your mother and I are done. 55 years of misery is enough. Pops, what are you talking about? The son screams. Oh, we just can't stand the sight of each other any longer, the old man said. We're sick and tired of each other. I'm sick of talking about this. You call your sister in Chicago and tell her. And then he slams the phone down and hangs up. Well, frantically, the son calls his sister who gets mad on the phone. And she says, like nuts, they're getting a divorce. I'll take care of this. She calls Phoenix immediately and screams at her dad. The old man says, aren't you? You're not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back and we'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't you do anything. Do you hear me? And then she hangs up. The old man hangs up his phone, smiles, turns to his wife and says, they're coming for Christmas and they're paying their own way. <laughs> Sometimes. We are in uncharted territory, and it gets a little tough and a little hard. Hey, I want you to grab your Bibles tonight, because I want to take you through a, a passage of Scripture that has been a reference point for me. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28. And if you don't have your Bible, there's probably one in the pew in front of you. And uh, you'll get a free ice cream cone if you turn to page 422. And that's the passage I'm going to read from tonight because this is an interesting lesson. Now, now here's the way this works tonight, okay, team? It's Monday night. It's Monday night. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to imagine us that we're in a huddle. And this is like a game. And it's halftime. Now, your pastor was a basketball coach way back when he had lots of dark hair. He was a basketball coach. And he knew what it was like to go into the locker room and pull the team together before they're getting ready for the second half. And kind of say, okay, here's the things we've got to do if we're going to win this game. So what I'm going to do tonight, this is going to be a little different, but what I'm going to do tonight is imagine we're in a huddle. It's just us. And we're in this game, but it's not going necessarily the best. And we're really concerned about what's going to happen next. 
So I'm going to go and I'm going to follow the blueprint that a coach lays out in 1 Chronicles 28. And I'm going to go to verse 20. And I want to show you how David takes his son Solomon and prepares him for truly uncharted territory. Now this is incredible. Here's what I'm going to do tonight. Before we get ready to go into what's ahead in this uncharted territory, I'm going to give you four words. Just four words. All you have to learn tonight is four words. Someone is saying, just give us to us quick and we'll get to Dairy Queen. But that's not quite the way it's going to work. But I'm going to give you four words tonight, okay? Now understand Solomon in chapter 29, verse 1. Look at what it says. He's young. He's inexperienced. And he's going to undertake this phenomenal feat of trying to build the temple. David doesn't get to build it because he shed so much blood. And David is really nervous that his young son is not going to be able to handle this great thing that he's been asked to do. And so he's going to go back. Now, if you put it in reverse and you go back up to chapter 28, verse 20, you're going to begin to hear David coaching Solomon, who is young and experienced and knows the task could be overwhelming. Now, listen to this coaching. And then let's apply it to our lives as we move into our next chapter. And this is where I wish we could be four or five of us around the table. And I could ask you about your next chapter in your life. I would ask you about what's ahead. What are you facing? Now watch this. Chapter 28, verse 20. David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. The divisions of the priests and Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God. Every willing man skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. So Solomon is now going to have to face his biggest challenge. This is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. So David is pulling him aside, and he's going to look at him. And so, team, I'm going to give this to you right now. As you're going to go out, and we're going to learn how to navigate what's ahead in life. And let me tell you, as we were talking beforehand, we don't know what's around the corner, do we? Oh, my goodness. We don't know what's happening in this world. We don't know what's taking place all around us. So what are we going to do? Now, in John 16, verse 33, hang tight, Jesus looked at his disciples. This is his last big discourse, John 14 to 17. And Jesus says to his disciples, take heart, for I have overcome the world. He knows they're going to get pummeled. Most of these men are going to die a martyr's death. This is going to be kind of an ugly chapter that's going to close in their life. But Jesus coaches them to take heart. To have courage in the midst of it. So let me give you the first of the four words. And then we'll just plow through them together. Okay, team? We're getting ready for uncharted territory. It's amazing how one phone call can change your life. One phone call. One doctor's appointment. One being called into the HR department. One call from a child can change your life. So how are we going to handle this stuff that we're going to face ahead? There, there's something inside me that is starting to shift in my thinking as I pastor people. And that's getting them ready for the next stage. Getting them ready for what's ahead. 
getting them ready. I'm convinced that the body of Christ, we're not really ready for what could be coming down the pipeline. I don't want to be a prophet of doom and negativity, but I feel like I need to get you ready for what's coming. First word is this. Number one, the first word is this. Practice his presence. Practice his presence. So let's just, let's just grab a hold of this concept. I want you to say this word out loud with me, team. The word is going to be presence. Say it together with me. Presence. Practice his presence. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now look at this verse in verse 20. He says, be strong and courageous. Do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord my God is with you. I love that phrase. The battle cry that he gives him is this. The Lord my God is with you. The Lord my God is with you. You know this verse out of Psalms? Just, just if, you, if you know it, just pick it up and you can say it out loud back to me, okay? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So what David is going to say to Solomon as he moves into this uncharted territory is, you need to learn what it is to practice the presence of God. Now, loneliness is the fuel that accelerates discouragement. It's the fuel that accelerates discouragement. Now, one of the things I love about the fact that you're all here tonight, now watch you guys interact with each other, is that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Remember I told you last night, we can borrow and loan courage to each other. We can encourage each other. We can, we can say that. In fact, as I've visited with some of you, you've been a blessing and encouragement to me. And we can do that. But we have to forget this, that God made a promise to you that he would never leave you nor forsake you. You may not feel he's there. You may feel you're all alone, what you're going through. But you say, Lord, I promised, you promised, and I'm going to believe it. Now, when you study John 14 and 15, 16, 17, Jesus says, this is really about your friend, the Holy Spirit, that has come to live inside of you. That's what we believe. We believe that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes in and then yield all of yourself to all of him. And you can know what it is, as I talked about last night, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Learn what it is to practice the presence of Jesus. I have a dear friend that has really leaned into me. And in all my theological training, in all the classes I've gone to, he said, Dave, the simplest truth you'll ever learn is the Holy Spirit is your friend. The Holy Spirit is your friend that's going to be with you. So anytime you get in a situation, you understand you are not by yourself. You are not alone. The Lord, my God, is with me. Say that together with me out loud. The Lord, my God, is with me. Say it again. The Lord, my God, is with me. And in the darkest moments, when the lights appear to go out, you practice his presence. So in everything that's going to go on in the world, we have to understand that's going to be number one. Let me give you the second word. Here's the second word you're going to see. The second word is learning what it is to claim his promises. Claim his promises. So what I've got to do is I've got to focus on his presence, but then I've got to hold on to his promises. Promises. Now, promises that God makes are never to be broken. He makes a promise here, and he says this. 
He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. He will never fail you or forsake you. So the battle cry is real simple. God said, I'm never going to fail you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to stand with you in every situation. Now, this is why it is so important for us to learn what it is to anchor ourselves on the authority of God's word. This is a book of his promises to you. I don't know about you, but I find that the older I get, the harder it is for me to memorize scripture. In fact, a lot of the scripture that I memorize is back in the King James. And so sometimes as I use with new translations, it gets a little tougher for me to do it. But I'm really concerned that a lot of us have failed to put into our bank the promises of God. We don't have our promises. You need to be able to have promises that are your default places you can go in every situation. First Thessalonians 5.24 The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Joshua 1.9 that I spoke from earlier the first morning. Have I not commanded you be strong, courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, our default is, is to hold God to his promises. It was a number of years ago, I, I may be off a little bit in my years, I think it's 17 years ago, Christy and I were away on vacation. We actually had gone down to Mexico. I used to go down and deep sea fish for two weeks every year in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. And I loved it. In fact, if you want, I'll probably show you my picture of my 465-pound hammerhead shark I caught. 465 pounds, 11 feet, 6 inches long. Christy has pictures of the grandkids. I have pictures of my fish. And uh, that's just the way it works. I'll never forget this as long as I live. It was the day before Memorial Day. It was a Sunday. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We went back up to our hotel room. That day we'd gone to a service in the morning there. and Out of the country and hadn't fished that day. Walked back up the room and on the hotel phone, the light was flashing. I thought, that's kind of strange. Picked it up and there was a voicemail message. It was from our son. He said, Dad call right now. It's an emergency. I remember going down, phones were different in those days, going down and getting a, a pay phone in this hotel and I called him. And our world was rocked. He said, Dad, my sister Kim, your daughter Kim was just hit by a car. He said, really? Tell me about it. He said, Dad, they just life flighted her to a major airport. She's got to come home as fast as you can. He said, they don't know if she's going to make it or not. No details. Kim had actually taken her daughter. She'd parked on a little town side street and taken her little yet-to-be-a-year-old daughter and was putting her in a car seat when a driver came and sideswiped her and hit her and through quite a distance. Man, I'll never forget that day. Within 20 minutes, we threw everything we had in our suitcase. I didn't know if I could catch a flight back. I thought if I could just get back to the United States, there's going to be hope that we could somehow get to Chicago and then we could rent a car and we could get down to the hospital in Fort Wayne where she was at. 
I learned so much about myself that day. I learned that I would have given every penny I had to buy a plane ticket. I did not ask what a plane ticket would cost. My daughter. I remember getting on the only flight we could get on was to Phoenix. And I thought if I can get to Phoenix, we can make it. Got to Phoenix midnight or so. I searched around, found a possible flight. It's a wild story. I remember that flight that night. Not knowing if she was dead or alive. You know what happened to us? We held each other. And then we recounted every promise that we'd ever learned. Seth, I sang every song that had a promise in it in my heart. It was dark and the plane was dark and we were by ourselves and we're holding each other. And I started going through my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. In my mind, I recounted every verse I'd ever memorized. I just went through them one by one. And in that moment of time, all I had to stand on was the promise of God. I remember getting to Chicago and renting a car and trying to make a phone connection. They said, it's not good. We raced down to Fort Wayne. We didn't, we didn't care about anything. We got there in time for a surgery. And the doctor came out of surgery and said, I've done all I can do. It's out of my hands. We can't, I can't stop all the internal bleeding. And all we had to stand on were the promises of God. Now, I wish I could show you a picture of my daughter today. She obviously survived. Not only did she survive, she thrived. Now, sometimes it doesn't turn out that way. Some of you have lost people in your life. Sometimes we feel guilty about that. But let me tell you what I discovered. When the well goes dry, sometimes all you have are the promises of God. And you just hang on to them. You just hang on to them. You see, the songs we sing aren't just to entertain you. The songs we sing are to put the truth deep in your heart. The passages we learn are not just passages to put. These are promises of God. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. You remember that old song we used to sing? And these things are what are going to sustain us. So team, as we go out in the rest of this game of life, We've got to just anchor ourselves to these promises. Some of you this last two years have had reversals. You've been kicked in the gut. You've had disappointments. You've had prodigals. You've had physical issues. Always hang on to the promises of God. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. Not only that I might sin against you, but that I might have strength in that moment. Grab on to the promises of God. And when the lights go out, Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Did you hear me? Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. And so David looks at Solomon and he says these words. He says, the battle cry is, he will not fail you or forsake you. God keeps his word. God keeps his word. I love the way he says that. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will be with you through this process. Now, just one more thing quickly. That's why it's important that we stand on the absolute authority of the Word of God. We're living in a day and age where there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas. This, my friend, is God's Word. Every chapter, every verse, every line. 
Every once in a while I meet someone who says, well, that really doesn't pertain to us. Yes, it does pertain to us. I meet people all the time and say, well, only take the red letters. Only what Jesus said. Oh, no. From Genesis to Revelation and throw in the maps. This is the Word of God. And we're going to stand upon it. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, team, we're going to stand on the promises. Here's another one I want to give you. You have to see life now through a different set of eyes. You have to have His perspective. Perspective. How you see situations have to be through God's eyes. This is that upper story, lower story thing we talked about. You you see life through God's eyes. Because when he said, he will not promise you. Look at how he said that. He said, he will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple is finished. Can I just break you the news? God never promised you'd be leading at halftime. He never promised you'd be leading at halftime. Sometimes we take score in the game and we say, we're not doing very well. We lose the perspective. Our vision gets a little blurred. We can't quite see things clearly. Sometimes some of the promises of God will not even be fulfilled in our lifetime. Incredible story of Mordecai Ham. You've never heard of him. You've never heard of Mordecai Ham. But Mordecai Ham was the evangelist that was speaking the night Billy Graham got saved. And I think you've heard of him, haven't you? God's promises are always true. Danny, when you were praying for my new friend Larry over in Iowa City today, I had the opportunity to visit with Larry uh, the other night we were going out. Larry's Larry, isn't he? He's a good guy. And we were visiting together. He was telling about his eye surgery and he hit a nerve with me. Because Larry and I discovered that we both are veterans of eye wars. I've had six eye surgeries in my lifetime. Three detached retinas on two eyes. Try beating that sometime. You know, my, my eyes are just not good. When I was 16 years old, I was legally blind. I went legally blind quickly in my one eye. 20 over 400 vision. It was really rough and it was hard. My eyesight after six surgeries is better today than it's ever been. I now can tell who's sleeping in the balcony at church. It's great. You know, I can... Kind of call them out. And I, there you go. I can see who's doing what. It's kind of fun. But what happened in all these years of eyesight wars is my perspective got all screwed up. I do not have, don't be nervous if you see me driving. I've learned how to navigate it. I drive by Braille. But, uh, but, but, but I have no peripheral vision. None. At all. Right there. That's my vision. It just starts right there. Can't see you. You're over there. I cannot see your pastor right now. I got to go like that. I have no peripheral vision. You got to watch me go through O'Hare Airport and walk through it. I'm bouncing like a pinball machine just all over the place off of people. Christy walks ahead of me because I have no vision. A number of years ago, friends of ours said, let's go up some night to the John Hancock building. I don't know what they call it now. They keep changing names on me. I don't know if it's still that or not. Let's go up there at the top. There's, there's, there's this restaurant. It, frankly, it's a sophisticated bar, but there's this restaurant up there. Let's go up there together. And I thought, this is going to be great. And so one night, we're downtown Chicago in the days when it was safe to go downtown Chicago. And we're up there in that restaurant just having the time of our life. And I needed to use the men's room which that kind of happens at times. And so I get up and understand not only do I have no peripheral vision, my night vision takes a long time to adjust the light. At night in that place up high, it is dark. But that's fine. 
And so I get up and I'm walking over to go to this and I turn. And as I turn, I run into this guy. Oh my goodness. He was pretty good size, fair sized guy. And I couldn't really make out who he was. And I just, I said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Didn't say a word to me. I thought, oh, this is not good. And, and so I apologized again. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. And then I discovered I had ran into a mirror. <laughs> and I was talking to myself. I lost perspective. And let me tell you, when your lights go out, you lose perspective. Where's God? He doesn't care. This is hopeless. We're all going to die. Inflation's going to eat us all up. We're not going to have enough money. Another pandemic's coming. We're all going to be caught in World War III. And you lose perspective. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you until the bitter end. And in those moments when the lights go out, you simply say, God, my eyes are going to choose to look upon you. He says, I will do this until all the work of the wall is finished. God never promised you you'd be leading at halftime. So team, as we go out and we're going to navigate uncharted territory, I just feel tonight like I, I'd like to be a coach and take every one of you and look at you and say, come on, come on. He's going to go with you. Make sure you know that the Holy Spirit promised he would be in you, dwell in you, and walk with you every moment of every day. Understand his promises are what you're going to stand on. You're not going to stand on the news. I don't care whether it's CNN or Fox or NBC or ABC or any other network. You're going to stand on the promises of God, and you're going to see life through his eyes. And that's the long view of life. That's not the short view of life. That's the long view of life. God is working his plan. God has a plan and it will be accomplished in his time and in his way. Now here comes the last P word. Here it is. Here's the last one. So let's just, let's kind of review the lesson right now if we can, okay? I'm going to claim his, say this together with me. I'm going to claim his presence. I'm going to stand on his promises. I'm going to see through his perspective and then I'm going to watch God, and I'm going to utilize his provisions. Now, this one is exciting. This one is so exciting for me. His provisions. I believe this with all my heart. When God calls, God provides. When God calls, God provides. God will never ask you to any, do anything. He will not provide you the resources necessary to accomplish what he called you to do. So you go to the end of the chapter. You go to the end of the chapter. The divisions of the priests and Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God. Every willing man skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. I'm not going to take chapter 29 apart for you. You do this one on your own time. Look at chapter 29 and you are going to see this flood of provisions that God provides just in time. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if anybody here ever worked in manufacturing. Years ago, the just-in-time form of manufacturing became very popular. Don't build all your stock up ahead of time. Get the stuff just in time, just in time, just in time. It's the way God works. I don't like it. 
I want him to give me a whole bunch ahead of time. And God says, nobody, I'll give it to you just in time what you need for that moment. The provisions of God. And he says, I tell you, Solomon, there's times you're going to feel like there's not enough. But when you read chapter 29, it's about this amazing culture of generosity. Can, can I just throw this in for you, charge pastor? You better say yes, because I'm going to do it anyway. When he announced, when he announced Sunday morning, what your church did for, I think it was a tornado hurricane relief thing, and for Ukraine, I sat in my seat and got excited. I, thought, I, I like a church like that. I like a church that says, we're not going to take all of our provisions and spend it on ourselves. We're just going to be crazy generous with it. And I thought to myself, man, I like that. I like it because you can never outgive God. And he says, I'm going to provide everything you need. But here's the deal. I'm going to give it to you just as you need it and not before you need it. Now, when you read chapter 29, I'm going to let you do this on your own time. When you go through uncharted territory, there's always going to be this feeling that I don't think we've got enough to make it. But when you obey God, his promises are true. He'll call you on the phone and tell you that. He'll tell you his promises are true. And he'll let you know that he's a just-in-time God. And he's never late. Oh, my goodness. We got to get down to Dairy Queen. I got to wrap this up, okay? So, 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 so I could keep you all night telling just-in-time stories of how God works. Largest building campaign we were ever in in our lives. And I thought for the first time in my life, I got to stand up in front of a congregation and tell them, you know, we really believe by faith God would provide. But this time we missed the mark. If I told you the number we missed it by, your jaw would drop because it's a six figure times multiples. It was big. I remember on a Saturday night before we were coming toward the end thinking this is the time. When we're just going to have to just stand up and say it didn't happen. Next Friday, before I went home, where we're going to have to announce that Sunday what things are at, a man called the church office. And he said, does your church accept stock gifts? I thought, well, if we don't, we sure will now. <laughs> he said, I just would want to give a gift. Now, the crazy thing was, is it didn't take long for me to figure out when our assistant came over and said, Dave, here's the amount of stock a man wants to give to do the math and discover that it was within $1,000 of this mega number that we needed. I thought, you're going to be kidding me. Now, here's the funny part of the story. Nobody knew this man. Nobody knew him. I went to a couple, three of the pastors. I said, do you know, do you know this name? No, I never heard of him. Never heard of him. I thought, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I first suspicion, maybe it's not true. I sent him a note. The gift went through. I sent him a note and said, thanks. Someday I'd love to tell you the story. But I'd love to hear your story. And then it was like the Lord said, leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Just leave him alone. That's strange. You never do that. Never do that with someone like that. At least you want to say a personal thank you. And the Lord said, leave him alone. 
About 10 weeks later, at the end of a service, a lot of times after service, I, get, I love hanging out with people. And so I would just stand at the front, and people would come up, and I'd visit, maybe introduce myself and meet some visitors. And I looked back, and about the seventh person back, I saw a guy wearing a flannel shirt and blue jeans. I thought to myself, I bet that's the guy. I had no idea, but something inside me said, I bet that's the guy. He walked up to me. I said, hi, my name is. And it was the guy. I said, thanks. He said, well, I just want to tell you, today's message impacted me, and I just want to say thank you for the word. And then it was like the Holy Spirit just kind of pressed upon me, leave him alone. Leave him alone. We don't do that, Seth. That's, that's not what you do. About four months later, I got an email from him. He said, would you be willing to meet for lunch? Got some things I need to talk to you about. So I said, sure. We met in a town about 30 miles away. And it was like I was freed now to ask him the question. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, now before we start, I got to ask you a crazy question. Why did you give what you gave? He said, well, I, I, just, I just prayed. He said, I'd happened to have this stock. And I just thought, you know, I know the church is going to need this. And I just thought this is the exact amount I'm going to give. And I said, did you know? He said, no. He said, I will tell you this. If you would have asked for that amount, you never would have got it. But he said, I just wanted to be obedient. I'll go to my grave with a dozen of those stories. A dozen of those stories. When God calls, God provides. When God calls, God provides. And God is going to ask you in this next chapter of your life to do some things that are going to be kind of like, are you kidding me? It may be you going over to talk to someone and meet a neighbor you've never met. It may be you sharing the gospel with someone. You're going to say, this sounds really weird. Just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because God's going to give you everything you need in the moment he asks you to do the task he's going to ask you to do. And so, team, as we take on the second half, these are our four words. Let's review them together. The first word, we practice his presence. The second word, we claim his promises. The third word is we see life through his perspective. And the fourth word, we trust his provisions. Hey, we got to go. Let me close. Mondays is usually my day off. Usually my day off. And in the old days, Danny, we used to get together for breakfast on Mondays. We'd go up and talk about Sunday and Dennis and Jody and Christy and I would do that. And we didn't have a clue what we were doing. And God was just blessing in freaky ways. It was just kind of a once in a lifetime thing. The thing was totally out of control. Sometimes on Mondays, I would say to Christy, let's go up to the mall. Now, she is not a real shopper, like shop till you drop and all that stuff. But we'd go and we would separate at the mall. And I would say, honey, could you let me go to a bookstore? Let me go to Barnes and Noble or something. I just like books and I'll look. And you may be back here in an hour, hour and a half. And so that worked out really well. It made for a very happy marriage because I didn't have to spend a lot of time. And, and, and she didn't, she's not a real shopper, but men, we're hunters. Bag it and get out of there. And women are shoppers. They want to see what else is there. And, and so we did this thing where we separated. I went into a bookstore. I'm looking through the books. And I found this book that was interesting. I pulled it off the shelf, 
And I opened the book and I started to speed read through it. And it was really interesting. I took my thumb and I ran through the pages and all of a sudden I came across blank, blank pages. Just blank, 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 blank. I thought to myself, being a German tightwad, I bet a guy could get a good deal on this book. It's obviously a misprint. And I thought I found something that I could get, read, whatever. I closed the book and on the front cover of the book, in smaller letters underneath the title, it said, write your own last chapter. <laughs> it was published that way on purpose. You get to finish the book any way you want. That's not a book. You have an opportunity now, as you move into the next part of uncharted territory, to write God's last chapter in your life. Father God, thank you for the way you work. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Father God, I just sense on a Monday night, it's time for us to hear Coach Jesus look at his people and say, I'm going to be with you. Claim my promises. See the big picture. See through my eyes. And I'll provide everything you need. Everything you need. And I'll do that faithfully. Just, just take a moment, bow your heads, team. We're getting ready to break, huddle, and head back out tonight and leave. Anybody here tonight? Just look at me. You just kind of fly a hand up in the air and say, you know, Pastor Dave, pretty, pretty uncharted where I'm at right now. I, I need, I need to know he's going to go with me. I need to claim his promises. And you'd say, you know what? This, this was mine tonight. I'm going to claim it. And you just take your hand, fly it up for two, three, four seconds and say, God, by your grace, I'm going to trust you. God bless you for being obedient. Any others tonight? God bless you. God bless you. Let's just stand together. Seth is going to lead us as we close our time in worship.